I believe we have mentioned it before, but I, I want to mention it again so that you know. Um, you probably recognize the fact that it was not too terribly long ago that the choir sang that song. Um, they have now sung it for you twice, this time with the lyrics. It is our intention for it to become, even though it is not in our hymnal, to become one of our congregational hymns, one of a, a hymn that we will probably sing on a regular basis. So the next time, we're going to ask you to join with us. So I would encourage you um, to, uh, if, if you would like to know it, there is a great um, lyric video on uh, YouTube um, by uh, Keith and uh, Kristen Getty, um, uh, their version of He Will Hold Me Fast, and I would encourage you to go and find it, play it. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. If you don't know what those things are, it's okay. You can find, other, you can find it other places as well. But, but uh, listen to it, and then in probably a, a month or so, uh, we will come back together. And uh, we will sing it, and we will sing it together, um, and ask you to join with us. We are continuing our journey these first 90 days through the New Testament. I I hope that you have um, continued and kept up with uh, your uh, reading, Um, and you will know that we are quickly, rapidly moving our way through Paul's epistles um, and uh, it was one of those things when I went and, and looked, I, it hadn't clicked, but when I went and looked this week, I realized that the, the first half of this 90 days was taken up, actually over the first half, was taken up with the Gospels and the book of Acts. And then, you know, the, 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 the epistles of Paul and then the general epistles and the book of Revelation is less than half of the New Testament. So we're, we're moving through uh, quickly. And, um, and you will notice that in some, on some days you have actually read more than one epistle in a sitting. Um, I, I would encourage you, anytime you wish to spend time, even if you wish to spend an extended period of time, say in the book of Romans, the first time you read it, read it all the way through in one sitting, because that's how it was intended to be read. Um, so, uh, so, but we are, today, we are in the book of Colossians. This is Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. We are in the book of Colossians. We're going to be with the third uh, chapter, and we're going to read the first 11 verses of that. If you will stand with me and join with me as we read God's Word together. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And once you walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, 
since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the Word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear precious God, as we pray this morning, we ask that you would give us the strength to kill the sin in our own lives. God, we know that you have called us to a life of holiness, but we also know that we are not capable of that life on our own, but that we desperately need you in that task. And so as we turn to your word this morning, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated. There is a series of books uh, put out by um, the publishing house Banner of Truth. They're known as the the Puritan paperbacks. Um, they're, they're, they're these books that, uh, that, um, that they are, um, take these, these spiritual classics of, of the Puritans, and, and primarily the English Puritans, not the, not the, uh, the Massachusetts Puritans, um, and, and uh, some of them, they abridge them a little bit, and they modernize the language, because the, uh, the, the 16th century was, was a time of, verbosity and run-on sentences and a lot of florid language that we don't use today. And so uh, they, take, they ask some, some experts to sit down and, and, and sort of make it a little bit more readable for those of us today. I, I would encourage you to, to check them out. They're, they're a great little series of books. Uh, this one is a little book entitled The Mortification of Sin um, by John Owen. Now, when he says, uh, when we, you know, we use that word sometimes, mortified, oh, oh, Billy came up to me at the dance, and he asked me to dance, and I was mortified. Um, but really, what mortified means, right, is I was dead. I died. I was so embarrassed, right, it was almost as if I was dead, so when John Owen talks about the mortification of sin, what he means is the killing of sin, the death of sin. There's a very famous line from this work entitled, there's a very famous line from this work that goes, runs like this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Which is a, a very true statement, right? If we're not actively seeking to root out the sin in our lives, is going to be actively seeking to destroy us and to kill us. Sometimes, depending on the sin, quite literally. Have you ever realized that? Have you ever thought about that? That many of the things that we label as sinful are things that are actually, in fact, very bad for your health. The overconsumption of anything, food, drink, bad for your health, and it will kill you. 
the, the use of illicit substances. I don't know a single person who, who I've known in my life who has done drugs, lots of drugs, who is healthier for it physically. Do you, do you all know anybody? Lots and lots of promiscuous sex carries all sorts of health hazards and has forever. You see? It's almost like in God's design, the things that are bad for us spiritually are also bad for us physically. We know things now too, right? About holding on to anger, holding on to frustration, holding on to to some of these things. is bad for us physically. Right? There's a book that came out recently, and I have not read the book. I'm not recommending the book. But the title of the book is The Body Keeps Score, about how sometimes these things that happen to us has physical effects on our body. So John Owen is very right when he says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And so we have here in these first 11 verses of the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians, this sort of clarion call from Paul to put off the old life and to put on the new life. Paul is, is very clear, right, that, that he's, who he's talking to here are, are those who are believers, those who have been, to use the language of John 3, been born again, been given new life, are new creations. However you want to phrase it, the Scripture is very clear that there is this thing that happens to us in which we are made new, in, in which somehow God takes this raggedy, crumpled, pierced piece of paper and makes it new. And, and I want to be clear, it, it's not like God gets out the iron, right, and irons the paper out. Have you ever done that with a piece of paper? I, I went through a phase when I was like 12 or 13 where I ironed my cash money. Don't ask me. I was a weird kid. But I wanted it all to be flat and crisp. And But even when you do that, right, if you've ever ironed a piece of paper, what, what you'll, what you'll note, notice is you can still tell where it was crumpled up. It's not really made new, right? When we're born again, God doesn't get out the celestial iron and just sort of take the wrinkles out. He makes us new. But if we're made new, then we have to act like new creatures. That's the, that's the, that's the response from the creature to the creator. The, the, the creator who has made us and then made us new, the response of the creature is obedience, faithfulness, holiness, and a desire to kill the sin in our lives. When we start chapter 3, we see this, right? Paul says, so if you have been raised with Christ, that's a conditional statement, right? If, you remember conditional statements? What comes after if in a conditional statement? If this, then this. If this, 
if you have been raised in Christ, then seek the things above. Seek holy things. Seek good things. Seek heavenly things. Don't seek earthly things. This is, this is one of the problems that we have sometimes. Sometimes the things that we desire in our heart don't change. We just, we just start asking somebody different to get it for us, right? We, 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 we become... We, we, we think we become a Christian and our heart affections aren't changed. We still want the same old stuff. We still want the fancy sports car and the, and the, and the, and the beautiful spouse and the 2.5 perfectly behaved kids and the golden retriever and the wonderful house and all of those things, right? The, the affections for our heart haven't changed. Just instead of thinking that we're going to get it for ourselves or asking somebody else to get it for us, we just start asking God for the exact same stuff. Brothers and sisters, let me point out, if you are asking God for the same stuff now that you were asking him for, for before, you were, before you were saved, let me offer to you that your salvation is not complete. Because God has not changed the affections of your heart. Now, I want to be very clear. There's nothing wrong with having a safe, comfortable house. There's nothing wrong with having an attractive spouse. If there was, I'd be in a lot of trouble. I saw the eye roll. If for no other reason, our kids are good looking. It is not from me. There's nothing wrong with those things, right? But, but those should not become no longer be the, the first things that we turn to God to ask him for. Those are earthly things. Paul continues, when you died and your life is hidden, for you died and your, and your life is hidden with Christ and God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What, what Paul is telling us here, right, is, is we've become so intimately connected with Christ, so identified with Christ, that when Christ comes in His glory, we will be glorified as well. Because we will be such a, a clear reflection of Him. And so we're to set our mind on the things above and not on earthly things. Not to over-spiritualize it. Not to not be practical. I'm not encouraging you to, to run off to the woods and build a little cell and, and think that God will provide for all of your needs. What I'm saying and, and what I think Paul is saying here is that everything, everything that we do must be done through the lens of Christ and His resurrection. Everything must be done. If we are new creatures, everything must be done in light of what Christ has done for us. And so we get to this, this second paragraph. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. He doesn't say put it in a closet. He doesn't say stick it under the bed. 
He doesn't say, you know, move it into the house next door. What Paul is saying is take a shovel, whack it over the head, and bury it. Kill it. Any of y'all ever, ever seen the, the, the sort of meme online where like, there's like a, a lot of spiders? It's often spiders. It's the, one, the ones that always creep me out are spiders because I hate spiders. And someone comes along and comments on it, kill it, kill it with fire. That's your sin. Kill it. Kill it with fire. Kill it with a, a thwack over the head with a shovel. Kill it however you can kill it. Kill your sin. Kill it. Notice the, the, the list. Paul has, includes two lists in this passage. The, this first list, notice what he lists. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Those are the first three. We live in a world post-sexual revolution where everybody wants to say that sex doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. It's not really a thing. God doesn't really care about that. Go back and read the list of vices and sins in Scripture. Sexual immorality and associated sins are always at the front. Always at the front. Because those are sins in which we defile our own body. We defile this gift that God has given us. I mean, Paul's really driving the point home here, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. I mean, he doesn't just say one. He lists out all three. And then evil desire. And so, so lust is a sin of desire, right? And so Paul expands it a little bit. And he says, okay, yeah, so lust, but also other evil desire. And then the, the last one that he has in this list is greed, which is also a, a sin of desire, Right? I want I want money and the things that money can get me. Fast cars and beautiful women and my own Caribbean island. But then then he, he ends with this little phrase, which is idolatry put to death your earthly nature which is idolatry so so those that that list that he's gotten all fall under our earthly nature this this disordered desire that we have for for things that aren't ours and that that is idolatry because what we do is we seek comfort and fulfillment and wholeness in these things that are actually killing us. So instead of going to the wellspring of life, instead of turning to the, to the, to the water of life, the, the, the water that will quench our thirst so that we never thirst again, we turn to all these things that are in fact the opposite. These things that, that kill us, hoping that we will be satisfied. And we're not satisfied. 
Paul continues in verse 6. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. Because of these, God's wrath is coming on the disobedience. And once you walked in these things when you were living in them, so, so Paul's reminding them, look, this, you know these things. You're familiar with these things. You, you've walked in these things. And those things are, are not to be trifled with. You know, Owen is right. That if we don't kill the sin in our lives, sin will kill us. But if we don't kill the sin in our lives, if we're not born again and fight this fight against sin and toward holiness, we're going to die an even greater death. We're going to die the death at the hands of God's wrath. We're going to die an eternal death. Then we come to the second list. Now put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. So these, the first list, right, are all about disordered desire. And this, this second list is about the ways that we treat other people. The way that that, that internal disordered desire often comes out of us toward the people around us. If you're being eaten up inside with greed and lust and evil desire is going to come out in anger and malice and slander and in lying to one another. You know, I I think that both of these lists should probably scare us. Because I think if, if every person in this room is honest, we know that we have not killed these things in our own life. I got weirdly, irrationally upset yesterday. Where were we? And they parked, the, per- the car parked in front of me. There was like six parking spots that they could have parked in. And as I'm getting in the car, getting ready to leave, they park directly in front of me. So I can't pull through. I've got to back up. Now, can we acknowledge that this is petty nonsense, right? And yet for a moment, I was so irrationally angry. What are you thinking? Why? It's like, ladies, you might not know this, but there is an unspoken rule in the men's room. If a gentleman is standing here, and there's one here, and there's one here, and, and so someone's standing at the first one, you don't stand at number two, you stand at number three. You understand what I'm talking about? And if you want to see a man get weirdly, irrationally angry, go in and stand at number two when he's standing at number one. It doesn't matter, really, right? It's just... Why? Why would you do that? How quick are we? How quick are we to think the worst of somebody that we're in opposition to? 
How, how quick are we to, to tell lies about somebody? Maybe, maybe it's lies that we think are the truth. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's something that we, that we think is really true. But we present it in the worst possible way to make the other person look the worst possible way that they can. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's slander. And we've all done it. These lists should, should scare us. These lists should, should terrify us. Because what the list should show us is that our journey toward holiness is not done. Brothers and sisters, we, we, we have, to, we have to, to kill the sin in our lives. We have to, to put to death that which belongs to our earthly natures. It, it's, it's what's asked of us. Once we've been given new life. And I want to be, I want to be really clear. Let's not get the, the cart in front of the, the horse here, right? This is not a, we do these things, we kill this sin so that God will save us. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it can ever work. Because brothers and sisters, here's the thing. We've got to kill this sin, but we can't. If any of you have ever tried to white-knuckle your way through sin, you know you can't do it on your own. The, the, the cart can't get in front of the horse because it won't go anywhere. Horses make very good pullers and very bad pushers. The horse is the gospel. And the gospel says this. Brothers and sisters, you and I are... <laughs> Crumpled, torn up, rumpled, pierced, ratty pieces of paper who need to be straightened out. And we can't do it on our own. And once, once we're born again, once we're regenerate, once we have come to faith in Christ, we've, we've, we've got to kill the sin in our lives. It's, it's what God tells us to do, but we can't do it on our own. We have to do it with and through and by God. So I want to I want to tell this to you today. If 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 you're sitting here today, and and maybe in 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 a in a fun way and maybe in a in a more convicted way, you, you've thought to yourself, "Man, I I've got that. How how am I going to deal with that?" The good news is you don't. The good news is you don't deal with it. The good news is Christ deals with it on your behalf. The even better news is Christ has already dealt with it on your behalf. It is finished. Now, that does not remove our responsibility to fight sin. It's just a reminder that we only do it through the power of Christ. Friday was St. Patrick's Day, and I'm reminded often on St. Patrick's Day of the prayer known as St. Patrick's Lorica or St. Patrick's Breastplate. It's a prayer of protection. 
It's also sometimes known as the deer's cry. There was a song, I think, in the 80s that came out that was the deer's cry. Because the story is, is that Patrick and some of the disciples who were with him were having to go through an area where there was a hostile king in Ireland. And there were hostile forces. And the, the story is, is that Patrick prayed this prayer of protection. And as they passed through and by the enemy camp, they appeared to the enemies as deer. But if you want an expression of powerful Christology, of a powerful understanding of who Christ is, go and read St. Patrick's Breastplate. Christ before me, Christ beneath me, Christ to the right of me, and Christ to the left of me. What Patrick knew is that if we're going to be protected, either from external forces of oppression or from the internal forces of oppression of the sin of our own earthly nature, it is only when we wrap ourselves in Christ and in his power and in his righteousness that we will pass by the camp of the enemy and appear as harmless deer. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 411, Tis So Sweet to Trust.